Hello and welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal episode 126. In this episode I'm going to be discussing a subgenre I've kind of made up or a group of bands I've sort of lumped together thematically. The, the subgenre is science fiction themed black metal, um, SFBM if you will. I need to look up if that acronym means something horrendous <laughs> or, or if I can safely use that. But um, the idea is, is that group of black metal bands where rather than singing about, you know, the over overt anti-Christian stuff, woods and nature, your more occult topics or like those kind of esoteric writings, they take those ideas and turn them towards a more you know, science fiction, space-themed kind of stuff. Like, you see a lot of this in, well, a small subcategory of black metal, often influenced by the kind of the classic Norwegian stuff, where rather than the normal scope of covers, it's a lot of very spacey backgrounds, lots of, uh, you know, very atmospheric looks, uh, like look at galaxies and starscapes. And I, I think there is something there where it influences both the sound and the lyrical direction, because it makes sense. There are some very grandiose themes you can take from sci-fi that fit well with that slow build atmosphere of a lot of black metal. So a lot of these albums are only very, very tangentially linked, and there, there are huge amounts of different approaches to the sound in here, but uh, I like the idea of grouping them together, like a lot of them are ones I've wanted to talk about for a while, and I think there's there's enough sort of overlap and approach that are interesting to to look at as a whole. Also, in recent months, I've got into reading science fiction books again, like, in quite a big way, so these, like, a lot of these albums have made a really good kind of background soundtrack to doing that. Unlike with some other episodes I've done on really sort of niche specific genres like this, I don't really have an idea of what like the debut album in this style is like, as is going to become abundantly clear as this episode goes on. I haven't really put enough thought into it, and a lot of these uh, reviews are a bit more on the fly than would be ideal. Something like I considered including as a very early one would be uh, Beherit's Drawing Down the Moon, but I think that is entirely based on the cover being that, like, moonscape picture and the title. Like, lyrically and actually, like, kind of compositionally, it doesn't ha quite have what I'm going for, although I guess some of the, the instrumentals are a bit sort of interesting in that regard. Like, it's a cool album, I just, I'm not quite sure I would say it's um, science fiction themed. What I went for, and again, lyrically, like, this might be a bit of a stretch, but certainly their later material uh, fits into this, and I'm going to do these chronologically. So this is 1996's debut from Arcturus, Aspira Hymns Symphonia. Um, so, like, Arcturus, a, a band you'll probably at least vaguely familiar with their kind of such a sort of star-studded lineup that um <laughs> you couldn't really have missed them so they sort of formed a little way into that kind of uh Norwegian black metal era actually formed, formed 1990 but they didn't have much out until 94 so you know they're sort of contemporary to a lot of what the stuff that's going on much like a lot of the uh classic Norwegian black metal bands they started off or at least a couple of the main members started off doing a short-lived death metal project and then set their sights on uh, something more more kind of atmospheric and more kind of in keeping in the uh, the style of the time. But I'd say Aspira is quite an odd take on, on that kind of thing. As I say, the lineup is is kind of ludicrous in hindsight. So the band are made up of... Uh, Sverd is the, the sort of keyboard player, and I, I get the impression the sort of real mastermind behind Arcturus, he's credited as like the main composer, and Arcturus is kind of his big thing, but then we have Christos Vrig, uh, aka Garm, of of Ulva fame on vocals, um, uh, Carl August Tideman on guitar, who's his other sort of famous project, his wins, that sort of interesting prog metal band um, with Hellhammer on drums. Hellhammer, obviously one of the main notable figures on this. And guest bass player who sort of comes in and out of the band a lot over this kind of period, uh, Skull, um, S-K-O-L-L, who at this point in time would be most famed for um, performing on Vedbu and Ende's Written in Waters. So, yeah, this is kind of a legendary lineup. Also, 96, kind of a very busy year for uh, for Garm. He's just put out the kind of slightly odd Oliver album, uh, 
Kevil Desenga, uh, I've definitely said that wrong, um, as well as performing vocals on the, the debut Borknagar album. So he's sort of really getting around between projects at this point in time. So I should probably explain kind of what the sound of Arturus is, because interestingly, this is relatively continuous over there, like their very kind of long lifespan. Like they're up to um they're up to five albums now, but it's spanning, you know, the best part of twenty years. They they have this very like noticeable sound. Like they they are so recognizable almost instantly because of Seth's Sved's keyboards they like they are always so huge and present in the mix like they're the absolutely lead instrument you can see like you don't even really need to be told he's the lead composer because he just makes this absolutely huge sound that like really does dominate their their kind of Arturus's presence like the guitar and bass are relevant and have certainly a lot of interesting moments in their music but it's him and hellhammer's drum performance are kind of all consuming because hellhammer like doing quite a different thing to say what he'd be what he's doing a mayhem not that much earlier it's a farm but it's a still a amazingly complex performance just less less focus on blast beats like arcturus have always been a very melodic band and kind of need a bit more room for the melodies to breathe but so instead of blasting he's doing a lot of stuff where it's like very fast double kick and then just very busy with his hands but not ever sort of just leaning into like a couple of cymbals drowning the mix like yeah, the, the the drumming on this is spectacular but then at this point in time pointing out that hellhammer puts interesting uh drums on a song is uh is hardly an interesting uh, insight. The vocals are interesting in this because when they're present, they are, you know, very kind of front and centre and often do steal the show, but the songs are lyrically kind of quite sparse. They're just huge instrumental passages in these, you know, relatively short songs, not much over over the five, six minute mark. But, you know, the Crystal or Garm, I should probably say, as the pseudonym he goes under for this project, screams are are very sort of clear and like great kind of classic black metal snarl he has but we also do get passages as the album goes on of really cool clean vocals some amazing hooks uh winter gray in particular has this brilliant chorus that really just shows off his vocal abilities at this point in time overall i just really love how arcturus go about their their sort of songwriting their their songs are kind of wonderfully complex and all over the place and this is true of most of their albums but certainly certainly here like where these structures are like they don't really have a formula for each song the structures are incredibly different but they just sort of have this signature sound so however however strangely they create a song it always sounds like them it's the, this kind of mix of like a lot of like quite heavy complex riffs but with this like slightly neoclassical, almost sometimes like circus-esque, like slightly slightly cheesy keyboards over the top. But you know, the riffing and that is is kind of dark enough and weird enough that it always remains in the realm of unsettling rather than ever crossing over into sounding like, you know, pure prog metal silliness. Like this is incredibly progressive avant-garde music, but it's it never feels like you know capital p prog metal it's it still has that core of something that makes it just noticeably black metal there's a there's a darkness there's a a slight kind of just very sad edge to a lot of it as well i think some of garm's vocal performance helps in that regard like his cleans while sort of beautiful and spectacularly executed always have this real tinge of darkness about them and and it, even like the the album cover is like they, they have their very uh overwrought logo which is great but over this quite um quite sparse photo of i, I believe the northern lights like this these kind of green lines in the sky which yeah as i say gives it this slightly science fictiony thing like lean towards space and astronomy but that, that that kind of influence is is low in this i think i'm really picking it from like the cover and songs like with like the subtitle like reach to the scars um reach to the scars reach the stars um but yeah there's just like there's slight nods towards that i mean it becomes so much kind of more over on the the following two albums like particularly the sham mirrors is 
is so specifically that. What's kind of interesting, you know, and this speaks to the kind of staying power of that that Norwegian scene. Like, obviously, it has a huge amount of mythology because of all the, the kind of controversies and things that happen. But I think art jurists speak to wait one of the kind of more musical details of it. Of so many bands, sort of came out with a debut that was just such a fully formed idea. Like, Arcturus, they didn't have a lot of messing around to get their sound. Like, if you've heard their Constellation EP, it does just sound like um, a spirit. It, it sounds like a, the natural first step before that. A bit more rough around the edges, maybe not so tightly written, but yeah, there's so many of those bands, like, equally saying, like, Emperor, like, they, there's these, there's a demo phase, and then as soon as they're out of that, they're into this like perfect debut where they just just do the thing, and I I think that sort of definitely leads to some of these bands feeling incredibly legendary for that reason. Again, for progressive music, um, this isn't a particularly self-indulgent album. While like the keyboards are very prominent and often complex and doing a lot of different things there's not a lot of like keyboard solos or or guitar solos there's little bits of lead but the album in those kind of sections far more focuses on doing atmospheric things like there's a lot of passages where everything drops out for like a a long keyboard sort of interlude sometimes with with garm doing like more spoken word pieces over the top but there's yeah there's no real like self-indulgent just showing off what they can do musically like there's a lot of complexity going on in the music but it is really like wrought neatly into the music if you've never delved into Arturas or never gone back further than something like the masquerade infernal which is kind of i think except as their sort of real classic album i highly recommend giving Spiritheim symphony a go it's it's a little darker than most of the rest of their material, a little more focused on the black metal elements that will kind of become less and less in their sound over time. And it's kind of nice to hear them in this heavier setting, but it's you know, it's got a really decent mix to it for the time period. It's a very, very clean and clear and incredibly creative album for 1996. So I'd highly advise revisiting it. And if you haven't delved into the band at all, I think... They've they've only got the five albums, so it's quite an easy one to just go through their catalogue in order. They're kind of all worth a listen. <laughs> So the next album I want to cover is the debut and only album by Odium, The Sad Realm of the Stars. So if you're to, to look up this band, they are one of like the 70 bands named Odium, uh, which is Latin for hatred, but they're most notably the, the Norwegian one, if you like, and I, I think the most famous uh, under that name. Uh, yeah, so the, the sort of genesis of the idea for this episode was a conversation I had with previous guests from our Enslave episode, uh, Jake Walters, um, about the idea of this kind of like science fiction influence black metal. I think if you know the band Worm, their um their main guy had a phase on Instagram where he'd share all these weird and wonderful um recommendations for like often like Italian like sci fi influences bands that 
worm if you look at their modern aesthetic has really sort of come from a lot of those like late 90s bands taking black metal into a weird slightly cosmic place and i think odium are one of the early ones doing something like that their their band photos have them all wearing the kind of very trad norwegian kind of corpse painted look with your spike gauntlets like they look like kind of like yeah rejected dimmy borger photo shoots but they're always on backgrounds with loads of stars in fact like if you if you can get yourself a copy of sad realm with the stars there is some hilarious individual pics of each of the band members where you get their their name and then a picture of their, their face where the eyes have been made red surrounded by like this red like kind of nebula on a on a spacey background and it, they are just these images that feel like they were probably um meant to be very serious at the time but like have just aged into that place of being sort of wonderfully camp and weird um yeah i kind of love it in terms of sound odin i think take influence that sort of very early emperor kind of sound where it's these very very fast riffs but they're incredibly simplistic so you'll have like a very constant blast beat or you know the drums will be going really quickly like occasionally throwing fills and stuff in there the guitars and bass will all be at this sort of like constant level of just playing a couple of notes extremely fast just creating kind of like a texture of sound and then there's these huge keyboards over the top of it and then a very traditional black metal scream over the top of that the keyboards though i think and Thing that sells this one once again they're not they're not complex or neoclassical in that kind of arcturus way they are very sort of straightforward in terms of like the composition of notes but they just have these fantastic tones that are just very dramatic very very spacey but not it's not something that feels like you know modern science fiction palette it's it is more like i guess classically dramatic it just sort of fits very well with the general image and aesthetic of the band i can't quite explain why those two go together but yeah i think i think the, the ideas really do overlap nicely on that subject of the kind of themes like the album cover has to be mentioned it's this amazing picture of this sort of figure sat in front of this kind of this kind of almost like skeletal looking figure this guy in this sort of like tight-fitting purple costume sat on a throne with his back towards like the viewer outside this very like gothic horror looking castle but then you see the gothic horror looking castle is on this kind of spacey landscape and the the sort of background he's looking out towards is a real space photo of 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 some kind of like you know close up on the, a star system uh and then with the uh, odium's like amazing logo over the top of that it's it's something that like there's definitely sort of silliness and the kind of mix of medias between the real photo and the drawn stuff is is a bit weird to look at but it does just fit so well with their sound i i, I think it, it totally works and i guess it's interesting looking back at bands like this where this aesthetic was meant to be very sort of new and shocking at the time but um has aged into being oh, it's, it's sort of like aged badly and well at the same time it's it, it's such a kind of idiosyncratic like distinct look it makes the band feel quite memorable for all its slight goofiness as well it, it sort of i know sits very well because it's something that's been aped less like there was a there is a block of albums that are kind of in this vein and then quite a gap before anyone went back to it as i say like sort of worms seemed like they were uncovering quite a lot of this stuff when they started sharing albums obviously this one's far more famous than, than a lot of the others they covered but um yeah let's talk a little more on the sound of the album it's got that kind of classic norwegian black metal rawness to it there's very little bass in it but the the drums are captured in such a way that the kick has a really huge presence like the 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 drum like performance is really solid and kind of locks this all down nicely whereas the guitars have that kind of slightly thinness like that very 
purposeful trebliness and as i say the vocal delivery is just so archetypical norwegian black metal the uh, interestingly like of those two performances that really stand out both have gone on to be quite successful uh, musicians the the vocalist slash guitarist is uh uh the guy who plays bass in Emperor and was in uh, Mere Skog, among other bands, and then the the drummer um, uh, Anders Eek uh, is the drummer for excellent funeral doom band Funeral, um, and he's been with them since like I think I think he performed that band. So yeah, like there's musicians who have gone on to other stuff. Interestingly, the band as well like seem to have. Uh, seem to have reformed in recent years i'm not sure if they're like sort of touring again or, or even uh making new music but yeah um they've been reformed since like 2018 so while sad realm of the stars is certainly not going to be anything you haven't heard totally before there is just enough like there's sparks of what they're doing in terms of say particularly the keyboards that, that really made it stand out to me and and enough songs where they just have some great moments like northern flames gets a lot more riffy and the guitars have some really memorable bits and brightness of the weekend kingdom actually does go a little out of jersey having this huge kind of like faux orchestral bit in the middle where the the keyboards really go off and go in their own direction uh, but they they just nail this this kind of classic sound so well. It's like yeah, it's it's a really tightly performed, tightly written classic black metal album, but with a bit of an interesting aesthetic. So yeah, one so well worth revisiting. <laughs> The next one I want to cover very much came out of that conversation with Jake, and this was his recommendation. I think possibly started the whole thing was um, this is Divisor with their second album, Transmission to Chaos. So they're a Greek black metal band. Um, yeah, so thanks for recommending that, Jake. Um, definitely got to advise go checking out his uh, his writing with both uh, Lamgo and Everything Is Noise. That the guy knows his stuff, and he has done some fantastic interviews recently. But yeah, so this this recommendation was completely new to me despite this band being like a relatively long-running one as i say it's their second album they've been going since the early 90s um uh, they're like metal archives has them down is a melodic black metal band but i i feel like that would unfairly pitch and hold them as kind of more melodic than they sort of feel they're an interesting one because they transmission to chaos is the only album i'm sort of familiar of of, of theirs and it's this cool mix of styles because it's not it's kind of like 98 is kind of almost too recent to be really heavily influenced by that like norwegian style it's um it feels like a kind of throwback to some of that like early sodom and hellhammer riffing that kind of thrash made a bit nastier and evil but with a far higher degree of kind of musical ability but there are ever-present kind of very melodic keyboards over the top of everything. Like, 
high enough in the mix that they're very noticeable, but they're not... Yeah, they're not overwhelming, and it's just not the obvious type of black metal riffing that you'd expect that to be gelling with. But although on paper maybe an odd combination, it does just fit. Like, the the band have this style that these, like, lots of really catchy, memorable, kind of thrashy, proto-death metal-y riffs with a, a vocal delivery that's kind of more classically rooted in uh, black metal, uh, Matt uh, Haranas, like, has has a really good delivery, like a very clear snarl that, that yeah, just sounds great. But, um, yeah, like, the, the way they move between stuff is is sort of really fascinating. Like, um, the track Forbidden Knowledge, like, in the second half of the album, is, you know, a lot of these kind of very thrashy riffs. And then the keyboards sort of dominate more and more of the space until everything drops out. And there's this, like, two-minute, like, almost atmospheric passage. And then the final, like, 40 seconds of the song comes back in with, like, a really like black and fresh riffy ending it's um it's a strange beast this one despite it being like a second album it does have that energy of a very newer band throwing a lot of ideas at the wall um tracks like uh transcendent beauty get a little like folk metal-esque and then we have the five minute like just keyboard driven interlude uh, a story of the wind and then the very strange like outro to aniric aphasia but it's just three minutes of this very melancholy bass riff with these like echoey keyboards over the top of it just to to kind of um play the album out it's uh it's cool like they keep they keep the kind of 40 minute runtime like really interesting but i i think like the the peak of it is these moments where we just have some really great like death thrash riffing and as well it's got a mix that really suits it like if you like your kind of early 90s fairly raw death metal this this kind of has that energy like the bass has quite a big presence and is often doing something kind of interesting like the guitars have enough like heft to them so like do like kind of more all over the place fresh riffing um and as i say the keyboards have like although kind of simplistic like they they fit nicely it just sort of works you you kind of have to hear it to um to, to believe it because I'm, I'm sure my description doesn't make it sound as good as it is uh, another reason i put this in the the kind of spacey characters it's very like really like lyrically it's it's over a lot of topics but the the front cover gave me that kind of vibe again where it's it's a it's an interesting cover i quite like it i know some people find it find it laughable this this image of this like sort of stone gateway which like encompasses a, a desert image with like an eye floating in the horizon on a background that is once again another like space picture like uh again that kind of mixed medium with with a bit of a what looks like some early photoshop lens flare and again another excellent band logo um i have to have to point it out there like i as i say i really like this cover um if you've uh if you're interested in looking at this band digging further i highly recommend looking up the cover for their their debut ep revelations of higher mysteries that is undeniably a hilarious album cover that is <laughs> but you know debut eps are often like that it's getting a friend to draw it a very short notice and it certainly has that vibe whereas transmission to chaos I, I think has a really really kind of cool interesting look to it um the band don't quite go in for the like odian levels of um space backgrounds for the photo shoot they have a more kind of classically cool studs and like relatively low-key corpse paint aesthetic which which fits very well but yeah this this was a really fun listen <laughs>
So the next album is Iceland's Potenium with their debut Balsin. Um, not entirely sure if that's how you say either of those. As I say, there's an Iceland-based band, um, and this one is a really cool album. So taking that sort of, I'd like it feels like something that's taken in from from places like where Ulva were going around this time, what Arcturus were doing, but leaning kind of heavier into the sort of gothic influence. The majority of the vocals on this are like this kind of lower, clean vocal that's often, like, it's not so much, you know, singing a lot of melodies. It's it's often delivered quite harshly. There's a lot of pain and sorrow in the voice. Elder, the, uh, the lead vocalist, has a really interesting delivery that I... I just love um the the band is actually only two guys on this, this album with elder doing lead vocals lead guitar bass keyboards and then with fawn who's credited with guitars keyboards and backing vocals and then um geo uh palmason is the the drummer who was longtime drummer of solifoud i think he sort of left that band in like 2015 um yeah i think that was a <laughs> that was an unpleasant split if i remember right but yeah so like core of the band is the, these two two musicians who are really creating this like amazing texture with this album the opener the epic 12 minutes to know is to die kind of really summarizes loads of these elements where it's, it takes about a minute of these kind of very dark brooding keyboards building up to sort of bring the song in and then we just get like this mixture of a lot of different approaches to some some great riffy moments some bits where the keyboards come to the fore and give us the this big kind of melodic hook. The vocals kind of come in and out, and the, every bit of the vocals is very pained and dramatic and over the top. But it, it's, it's all so kind of memorable and catchy. Like there's bits where it very much delves into sort of classic black metal territory of fast, like tremolo pick guitar over like more blasting drums, but then stuff where things like soften off and you get almost this kind of more rock approach and the keyboards take a much bigger element and as the vocals have this really indescribable register where they're, they're sort of somewhere between sung and screamed the whole time but always with enough like energy that it just just sounds great and um and then like towards the end of the track it, there's there's this interesting detour yet like elements of acoustic guitar and like a much more atmospheric passage that sort of builds up to a big ending and the mix of it's sort of raw enough but it really plays like plays well with it like the 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 capture of the drums particularly is 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 imperfect but it just works so well for creating an atmosphere this is exactly how i want this album recorded like the guitars have a great kind of crunch to them and i get nicely elevated whenever they go into these more lead passages there's a great variation what the keyboard's doing sometimes it's very like dramatic sort of cheesy like horror movie keyboards sometimes far more melodic like atmospheric sounding um the the really interesting like incredibly famous credit this album has is um yonsi of sigir ross was the producer for this so i don't know how much influence um they had on the, the sound of this but it would go some way to explaining quite why the keyboards and all those elements feel quite so sort of dramatic and and atmospheric you could tell the band were wanting to get a lot of different ideas into this there's there's a lot of use later in the album of sort of clean tone guitars leaning towards that sort of clear post-rock influence the band have there's a very strange turn in the middle um Athalabo is like a four-minute instrumental that's this really catchy keyboard passage mixed with this guest trumpet, which, like, it, it's, it's an amazing track, and I, I really like it, but it feels very different urging around it, and it's just really striking. Interestingly as well, like, the, the structure of the album is such that you have that really long first track, this brilliantly constructed 12-minute song, but it seems... That was the only super long song the band had in them. The rest of the songs after that are around the five minute mark and are more 
sort of traditionally like a verse chorus kind of structure i think i've probably been giving the impression this is like a very like sort of mellow album but it actually has got for all the moments like voices within or in unity that are clearly quite heavily post-rock inspired possibly taking influence from that producer they had with them there are tracks like pleasures of suffering or sorcery that are just full of like punch you in the face like black metal riffs that wouldn't be out of place in a kind of older Naglafar song or something like that the only point where the band really dropped the ball for like my personal taste is the the final tracks flames of the potanum where they just sort of just piss around with like a really long outro which is just a load of effects laden stuff which i don't know just doesn't really do it for me and i would have liked a bit more of a crescendo to all of this but this doesn't stop this being an amazingly weird album just one that i i feel everyone should go and check out if you have any interest in that kind of intersection of like sort of goth and black metal and prog and black metal like this this covers a lot of ground and feels very out there for 1999 even the cover is this like i don't know that it's necessarily great but it's really striking of this this strange image of this ball that looks like an actual photo of a physical object with these blades coming out of it on this kind of spacey feeling background like this is an album i've included in the kind of feeling sci-fi because it just sort of feels like it's from the future like I don't think any of the lyrics are necessarily pointing in that direction in any way. I think, uh, yeah, like there, there, all that kind of quite nebulous existential kind of black metal stuff, which yeah, totally works, fits really well. And as I say, the, the vocal delivery is so fantastically impassioned. That's perfect. But yeah, there's something about this that just makes it feel like it's from the future and. It's, it's so worth hearing, a, a truly unique artifact and yet more proof that Iceland just has a impossibly good black metal scene for such a small country. <laughs> I can do an episode on like sci-fi themes in black metal without covering dark space who are like just the masters at doing that uh if you're not familiar with dark space they are one of those bands where you've either probably never listened to them or you think they're the best thing ever like there doesn't seem to be any real middle ground in this band so up until relatively recently they were a free piece made up of roth on guitar and vocals Zaral on guitar and backing vocals and Zorg on bass and backing vocals but they've 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 left uh, as of as of that 2022 I think um they've got a new bass player and but the the band do this very very long form 
very very sci-fi feeling music with these like great like 12 minute songs of going up to like the 20 minute mark in some cases that will slowly layer a little more and more with this heavy um very very science fiction sounding keyboards over really heavy extremely dark riffing and very clearly programmed drums with vocals that are just this ethereal kind of shrieking out of the void it's there the the band are like they're incredible in that they are so um clearly focused on the thing they are doing like they have named the band and they have named nothing since they have no printed lyrics i could not like i would fully believe that um there were no no lyrics for these songs but there might well be i, I have no idea i could not decipher what the vocals are doing they sound amazing but i couldn't decipher it um the album i'm going to talk about because i i really think this is the one to start with if you're into dark space although all four of their albums are worthy of checking out this is dark space free which is i think the longest of their release it's a long old album a solid 80 minutes of this absolutely suffocating incredibly dark extreme music so in recent years um he's also known as winfer the the guitarist and vocalist um his projects uh passage to hyver has been doing very well and there's there's a lot of shared dna if you're you're familiar with that one dark space 4 their most recent album came out in 2014 so although they've been playing live a fair amount since they're sort of I guess not on the radar so much for new music. This this album, uh, Dark Space Free, is now fifteen years old, which is is incredible. I mean, but enough time has passed than that to sort of work it into the pantheon of classic black metal albums. I'd say this this does something few black metal albums can manage. Like put out on avant garde music, it is is thoroughly engaging for its full 80 minute runtime firstly it needs to be said but it so perfectly creates this atmosphere it is such an overwhelming dark release but it's also really cool and and actually memorable for all of that like it's things like the the drums being so obviously programmed feels like something that could be off-putting or a mistake but it, it just works naturally the album starts in fantastic fashion, so the, the name of the Dark Space stuff is really funny, so their albums are like 1, 2, and 3 in Roman numerals, and the songs on each album, like on Dark Space 3, are Dark 3.11, 3.12, 3.13, up to 3.17, and yeah. They, they are very distinct songs, though. This isn't like something where they split it up into tracks for the label. Like they... they there's very memorable movements between the songs, but yeah, so Dark 3.11 has this great intro where the keyboard sort of, it's just this this very echoing synth sound, this thing that's, you know, puts you in mind and of all the scariest science fiction kind of horror movies you fall of, like, it, it's hard to decouple this from the idea of stuff like Alien, that kind of terrifying isolation space with the unknowable, um, always feels like it's it's present their music but yeah the, this this echoing sort of synth passage builds up and up and then just a minute and a half in just explodes with the drums come in full pelt the guitars sort of burst into life and then there's just shrieking vocals right in your face like the harshness of the guitars like it's not like a raw recording it's just like the distortion is turned up to maximum the the guitars always have this horrendous like super trebly attacks so they're very overwhelming when they're they're kind of in place and they're kind of in the mix like really really clear and then like the keyboards as well really over the top very clearly layered present throughout all of this often like quite sort of they quite musical there's there's a lot going on it's not just leaning on sort of one synth note and it's a huge amount of thought has been put into the sound there's a lot of interesting echoes and effects on the keyboards this this is the kind of thing you you would have a trouble recreating how they did it 
Whereas the drums and bass, like the low end of the mix is very far away. I, I, I cannot pick the bass out of this sound. And the program drums are kind of far in the distance. But they, they have this interesting... The, the temptation, I think, when writing black metal like this would always be to put the drums on constant blast beat. But they actually have a lot of moments where they step back and just do something super cool. So in tracks like Dark 3.13 there is a really great bit which just goes into what I can only describe as like a real death metal chugging riff but with these like spikes of the atmospheric keyboards over the top and as it's doing this this kind of cool like chugging pattern rather than just blasting away underneath it the drums have this like slow burn of like this really insistent like single kick beat and then little things happening on the toms that like make you want to air drum along with it it feels like a band building up to like a mosh pit bit but it's it's dark space so it's still it's still atmospheric it's still scary and weird but yeah the album is full of these moments where the drums like maybe i'm weird but like, as i say maybe you want to sort of air drum along with it. like oh that's a cool bit um dark 3.14 is, is a, a another particularly memorable moment like it's it's an instrumental track which isn't a huge departure from the rest of the sound as said the the vocals are these these great screams but they're so weird they're so horrendous and harsh and so far away from normal singing or speaking they they just feel like like they're coming out of the void as i said so like having an instrumental track doesn't feel that unnaturalness but it's just full of like more riffs and little lead passages that all fits so well into the atmosphere of the album but provide these memorable hooks and the, the album is is full of little melodic twists and stuff where you you'll remember what's happening like it creates that atmosphere without i don't know um being just a wall of sound which would be very easy to uh to go in this direction with so as i say i for me i think dark space 3 is the real sort of career highlight i know a lot of people like four four i think has the issue of just the songs being a bit too long so as i say three these are monumentally huge songs like the longest of which is, is almost 70 minutes but four goes completely over the top where it's it's three songs the opener is a half hour long and they have a lot more spaces in them where there is a lot of like fade out and build up like huge sections of keyboards that can go on for like three or four minutes uninterrupted which i don't think works quite as well so despite the almost 20 minute longer runtime of three i just think there's more happening in it like there is moments where they let things kind of feed back and you know just be noise but say the end of dark 3.1 the first track has about 45 seconds of just squealing feedback from a guitar but it feels so earned and perfect it, it just feels cool it feels like the bit in in like a live set where the the band let the guitars feedback before the next big heavy bit comes in, whereas um for me four's a little more meandering and one and two as I say also well worth delving into but um I just think three is where they get the formula just perfect like the mix is spot on as well for what they're doing. Um, also, don't try and listen to all four albums back to back. There's like five hours of music there, and I imagine it'd be exceptionally exhausting. But yeah, if if for whatever reason you haven't given Dark Space a go, as I say, they they're moving into that kind of place of like classic band territory where you know it's been so many years since they released something you could totally have missed them um but like if you haven't haven't managed to catch them live yeah if you haven't haven't checked them out really do look it up because I, I think they were onto something incredibly unique with this sound and and it's never been topped by another band <laughs>
session trying to pick a clip of dark space that is a mere minute long is very very difficult i hope that did an okay job of attempting to summarize their sound now a band that i think are worth talking about in the same vein is mesfarfim who are kind of i would say attempting something vaguely akin to dark space but with a very very different outcome so they're um, an Australian band uh, who play atmospheric black metal with this very sort of cosmic theme, much like Dark Space. Although these guys are more traditional astronomy rather than science fictiony, whereas like like the kind of art and stuff for Dark Space feels very science fictiony. Whereas uh, Mesfarfin, like there's stuff like Isolate, it, their debut album is a picture of like the Horsehead Nebula, like. Uh, the, the album I'm covering today, their second album, which is has a title entirely in Morse code, which, give me a moment, I'll work out what that says. It says Absence in Morse code, uh, so I'm going to call this, this album uh, Absence for the rest of this episode. You, this cool kind of um, independent release band doing a a thing like, it's akin to Dark Space of there's two two characters behind the the band like both listed on metal archives as just a singular full stop so i assume that's kind of an attempt at anonymous rather than um the actual morse code for e i don't think both band members just go by e i assume they, they're just relatively um unknown like yeah and they they do this kind of very spacey black metal where a lot of the guitars and drums just kind of make this wall of sound and then they have these huge keyboards on top of it and these shrieked scream vocals that are just like the horrendous harsh noise that uh, you know you couldn't pick lyrics out of it it's utterly sort of impossible to get anything like that from it it's very much creating an atmosphere and that's all you've got to focus on but the major difference to me is the way the keyboards present this album like they are like joyous and triumphal they they very dramatic atmospheric sounding they in fact put me in mind of Sigiros like it's Sigiros style uh kind of melodicism that very epic like uplifting feeling stuff over this very harsh black metal sound the unlike Dark Space as well like the drum performance is far more kind of naturalistic it, it sounds like real drums I've no idea if they're they're sort of programmed or not but they've, they've done a good job of making them sound like actual drums and they're quite a focal point of the album I, I think like the songs are these kind of often very slow burn and when when the the big keyboards and the vocals all come in like the guitar and riffing gets quite overwhelmed but the drums are your real anchor in this like they will speed up and slow down to like signal big things happening there's a lot of moments where like everything will drop back like the kind of the only points you can really clearly pick out exactly what the guitars are doing the drums will often kind of come down to doing like a, a cool fill to signal we're about to go into the next big moment or occasionally you'll get like them slow to a more sort of groovy pace to really emphasize the keyboards um yeah it's it's a really cool idea i've i've only this is like, absence is the only album of this band like i've i've really put any time into they've got quite a quite a massive discography considering they've only been active since 2015 yet another avant-garde music band actually like one i think i purely got into because i bought that all the albums on avant-garde music's band camp are they doing a, a massive deal on that years ago so sort of picked these up and yeah i i, I liked the aesthetic of the album covers and i, I think there's there's something sort of wonderly wonderfully dramatic to what they're doing and and using kind of the sort of musical language of quite harsh raw black metal to create a sound that's kind of so kind of uplifting and beautiful is 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 a really cool idea i'm not sure how well that holds up on later releases but it, it certainly works well for um for absence but you can tell uh this episode was put together hastily because i felt this band were a good good counterpoint to dark space but as i say i don't actually think they're sci-fi themed they are like the name mesfarum is the name of a binary star system in the northern constellation of aries so that's like it's not sci-fi it's a binary star system it's just just a thing like and as someone with a qualification in astrophysics i should have known better than conflating the two subjects so i apologize listeners
Right, well, let's end on a very specifically science fiction-themed one. This is Italy's Progni Teresia Pura with their second album, Ultra Luna. Um, so, I think I covered this band years ago on the podcast. I really like their debut, UMA. Ultra Luna is an interesting move forward from that, whereas the, the first album I, I absolutely loved, but it has real sort of one-man band energy, like, you, you know you can sort of very much tell sort of where the focus is in this whereas the the second album much more fuller sound like uh the main guy behind it david Colladon, um he's like drum programming just sounds a lot more impressive on this again it's one i had to look up whether the drums are programmed or not whereas the debut it's so obviously the case so anyway i should probably explain the sound of this band like they do these very long form kind of very science fiction themed songs which will have these huge instrumental passages leaning heavily onto like kind of electronica vein kind of stuff but often with like interesting percussion added in there like sort of like bongos and stuff creating these kind of very like psychedelic kind of uh spaces like there, there is a there is a lot of different influences, but then when it gets into the black metal kind of parts, like they 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 are naturally woven in with this, I say this more electronica focused music, but it's just like it's very seamlessly done, and the black metal isn't like with those last two bands where it's a lot of like you know sort of tremolo pick kind of ball of noise it's very sort of riffy stuff like this is a band that are heavily focused on like kind of interesting grooves and combining these elements to to get these songs that go back and forward and progress over over a long period like the band will rapidly change pace and throughout there's these massively layered things going on with this this interesting kind of intersection of acoustic instruments as i say stuff like like hand kind of percussion like in the the title track there's almost like this like flute-esque kind of sound effect um it's sadly i don't have the cd or booklet for this i don't have that much information on exactly what's kind of synthesizing uh what's real behind this but they yeah that sort of interesting melding of textures and they say the the riffing is very complex like uh it feels at places like stuff that would be immensely difficult to to sort of perform live with all the the varying elements at times the album is like immensely heavy and brutal like the way the drums are mixed is quite sort of overwhelming and the guitars have a real solid heft to them it's a very you know, classic modern very bright kind of mix but then there's there's moments where things will get quite like I, I don't want to say silly but like they they will move into really unexpected directions like the aforementioned title track the final minute of it goes into this almost like dubstep section right at the end like really leaning into the the varied in like influences and I, I guess that that's kind of what's interesting about this this album is that kind of melding of loads of different instances the main guy behind this clearly has like a very broad musical palette and he's bringing a lot to the table but it all does fit neatly into one atmosphere like the 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 covers are immensely kind of evocative and i feel they help sort of focus your mind on on what they're you know trying to um to make you imagine these like the both the first two albums have these great covers of this kind of spacescape kind of thing with these interesting very futuristic seeming ships like they're, they're wonderful covers like they're i assume they're like entirely sort of like digitally rendered art but yeah they're, they're just very detailed and there's lots of cool kind of imagination gone into them and they feel like a really interesting way to sort of direct your thoughts towards like while listening to something like this where you've got these yeah sort of boring textures as always one of these albums that really sort of combine genres in an interesting way there'll be parts of it that maybe appeal to some listeners more than others like i find the final track proxima b a little frustrating because it has this amazing intro that has this kind of like cool melodic clean tone guitar then some really great kind of black metal riffing but then this like four minute section in the middle where it's sort of 
leans into the, the kind of, as I say, the more electronic influence stuff with passages of guitar, but it gets like really dubstepy with them and sort of like warps them in a way like I mean, akin to maybe bits of Igor or something like that. And it just, this like four minute section doesn't quite work for me, but I really like the outro as well. So it's this like 15 minute lot and track where I just don't like the middle. But overall for an album this experimental like the the hit rate of like ideas that just come off as really cool is is very high and yeah there's a load of sort of interesting interesting directions they they take riffs in like using as a like like kind of faux acoustic percussion in a lot of places that sounds really cool and and uh, at the end of the day it is just a very good black metal album at its core but with like a lot of cool trappings around that I think that's where I'm going to leave that for now. Um, yeah, sorry today's episode was a little rushed. I was somewhat struggling to collect my thoughts on this sort of subgenre I'm proposing as a whole. It's it's something I'd like to revisit in more detail. So, like, if you've got good suggestions of of bands that really fit that theme, I mean, for time I didn't go through stuff like Mayor Cognitum, but they they would be an obvious choice to kind of shoehorn into this this general kind of style but yeah you got any suggestions for some good uh like science fiction adjacent black metal i'd, I'd be interested to hear it you can get in touch uh, at phil's breakfast metal on facebook uh phil's breakfast metal at gmail.com if you want to email or um uh, also on instagram and twitter so yeah if you if you've got any suggestions or you know like it doesn't need to be in the this this particular vein but yeah anything you'd want uh want me to cover in the future yeah please do please do get in touch as i say sorry that episode was a bit unfocused got a really good one coming up next episode which uh, far more well planned out so um yeah <laughs> please please don't uh don't stop listening based off the qualities of this one <laughs>